Hello, I'm Carrie Gard and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome back to season 11. I hope you were able to listen to my previous episodes with Hannah, Kaya, Alex, Chris, and Danny. Some great conversations around what marketing means to them and how they're finding success for their brands. In this episode, I get to hang out with Robert Newman, where we dig into his unique approach to account-based marketing, unique in his ability to personalize his marketing based on what he knows of his audience, which is a unique niche. His audience is unique in niche. And you'll see why. It, it's not what we're used to in terms of cybersecurity and data. So it's nice to hear of other approaches outside of these industries and maybe find opportunities to apply it. This conversation is especially special because we're talking just a week or so after the Russia, Russia invaded the Ukraine. And we take a moment to sit and chat through what that means and the impact it's had on Rob and his company from a people standpoint which as a people-first company and my mission to bring people first to as many people as possible, this is such a special conversation for me of somebody who's really living that. And what an opportunity to have had that conversation. So thank you, Rob. Rob is a digital leader of CSS Commerce. He works to create the most effective, uniquely innovative solution that will build your business, handle more traffic and transactions, move more clients to your platform and give you real insights into your business basically e-commerce for B2B. Rob knows the only way to make B2B transactional like e-commerce is to approach each of his clients with turnkey solutions as they are all different. Here's my conversation with Rob. Let's take a listen. Hello, Rob. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Well, good morning, and thank you so much for having me, Carrie. I'm looking forward to our conversation, Rob, but before we get there, why don't you tell our listeners, what do you do and how'd you get there? Well, I will <laughs> I will try to keep it short, but uh, <laughs> I'm a partner in an e-commerce uh, solution provider. Uh, we provide primarily um, mid to large enterprises building B2B e-commerce and back-end systems for them. And uh, it's, a, it's a growing market, it's an exciting market, but it's, um, it takes a little bit of work to get in front of these people, right? B2B can be challenging. It's not a, uh, a wide-based marketing approach compared to say B2C. Uh, the way I got here is I think it's the culmination of my whole career, starting as an engineer, moving into finance, moving into marketing, going to work for some other company to learn how to sell. And, and, then, <laughs> and then like every entrepreneur, right, once I, I feel confident about selling because every leader sells, um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur now for, for almost uh, 12, 15 years. So it's, uh, it, it's it, I've been self-employed for a while. We've had CSS Commerce now for three years. That's quite the journey. Yes, it is. It is. Well, when you when when you begin to have a uh, thirty plus year career, 
the journey, uh, the journey is long. And trust me, I left out a few things. But um, <laughs> o- o- overall, right, a technical, um, you know, I read, ran two ad agencies. So everything, you know, the soup to nuts of, uh, of a company I've, I've done and uh, have learned a lot because of it. And, and so therefore, I have a few philosophies and hopefully some, some good ideas that have kept me in business. <laughs> and, uh, and, and this is a really good time to be in my market. So I'm having a lot of fun. And that's really important in what you do, having fun. I agree. That's completely what matters. Um, I just have to know, because I can't help myself. Uh, why do you leave engineering for finance? <laughs> oh, well, sure. <clears throat> well, every engineer will tell you the equations are a lot easier in finance. So, so I started as an engineer. Um, I was with Xerox Corporation. I did manufacturing engineering, product engineering, a variety of different things. And then I noticed, you know, they said, would you like to go get a master's degree? And they said, would you like uh, another engineering degree or would you like an MBA? And I said, those MBA people make more money than I do. So I went and got a finance degree, went to finance and global logistics and and, uh, got involved with e-commerce at that time with Xerox. And, uh, you know, so it was simple. They make more money. Then I noticed that the marketing people and product people, product marketing people in Xerox were having more fun than the finance people, but making just as much money. So then I went there. So it, it's a really easy reason why I did those things. That, that is awesome. It makes a ton of sense. And I, I mean, it all compounds in terms of the experience it gives you, right? In terms of that engineering it, mindset it, into how you think through finance to then bring it into the fund of marketing. I think that's just a, a lovely. Yeah, it, it, it really does, right? And, and back then it was, you know, um, we didn't hop jobs as much, but I was fortunate to be part of the leadership program, which essentially allowed me to have a new, completely effectively new job every year and a half. Um, training throughout the company. That was actually a really, really great experience. So although I had uh, 17 years with Xerox, um, uh, part of it actually, even as a college student, um, I felt like I had a brand new position every year and a half. So it was, it was really great career. I feel like I'm going to tangent here for a hot second. So bear with sure. me. Um, because you have such a unique background and then to have been in a company for 17 years, which is absolutely unheard of these days. Um, <laughs> yes. it, well, it is like, I, it is. It yeah. is. Um, yeah. And I think it's because that change that, that annual year and a half to two year change isn't yeah. as prevalent anymore. You have to go find that mm-hmm. elsewhere, but yes. Do you, do you feel like that's what kept it interesting for you of like, yeah. Honestly, I mean, part of the reason I'm an entrepreneur is I do get bored easily. Um, You know, I think of myself that, you know, I like to solve problems, right? So I get, I get, and and part of the fun of e-commerce is with complex e-commerce, right? It's about finding a unique solution. It's not, you know, just turning out a Shopify. It's, it's very complex solutions, connecting 
um, the unique business of every single one of our one of our clients. So we build, you know, our clients are five hundred million dollar clients, um, billion dollar clients, and they've got a lot of touch points. So the the fun is the solution and helping and seeing the improvement, and that's important. So I I totally agree. Right, one of the things that really kept me engaged in that company was. Um, was the opportunity of both the growth and interesting problems, right? And I and and that's that's important. However, I, I will say, right, to a few, just you know, the the younger folks, right? Because I ran an ad agency and everyone was trying to be in and out like in eight months. And I've told people who work for me, young in their career, first first job, second job, right? Stay a little longer. <clears throat> and I promised actually one of them, you know, she, she started at, you know, we don't pay a lot in marketing ad agencies, but I promised her, I said, give me two years and you will learn enough that you'll go get a $75,000 job at the end of the two years. And I know you're going to leave, but I will have had the opportunity to actually give you enough knowledge that you're valuable to someone else. So yeah, we job hop a lot, but one of the things I always looked for was what am I going, what are the tools, what am I going to learn, and why is this job valuable to my career, right? As opposed to, you know, I want to jump because they gave me a 10% raise. That's not a good reason. In, in, my, in my experience, right, in hiring and everything else, um, that's not a good reason to jump. If you're learning and being challenged and you have a good boss, right? You have a good leader manager, stay. Now, most people leave a company because their, their boss is a pain, which I get, right? If it's not fun, it's not fun. But people who worked for me, I still reach out on their birthdays and we have great relationships. And, and I recognize, right, that not everyone is going to be able to stay with us. So um, it's about a two-way, right? Me, me giving them value and them providing value to the company, right? You have to be valuable to advance. So I think that's the one thing that some folks miss in their career early on is they're not following. They've got to develop value too. Such a good point. Ah, yes. I think we're all trying to find, you know, in, in the, you sure. know, as business owners and as looking at our, our team and our people and, and just as, as team leaders, you know, looking mm -hmm. at our people and trying to figure out how to keep them hungry, so to speak, and keep them wanting to learn more. And, and, um, right. you know, I think that's important. And I love what you said about Xerox and your ability to be able to do that. I think that's still something we need to figure out how to cultivate. And even though they might not say with us for 17 years, we know. Could work right. with them to stay with us for at least two to three. At least two to three, right? Especially if you're looking at um, a guy in his lower fifties, right? Who's looking at a resume. <laughs> he goes, mm -hmm. "My gosh, you're not going to stay with me, right? If all you have is job hopping, it creates it creates an eyebrow going up that says, "Is this really someone I want to work with and invest, and then lose what I've invested?" And the reason a year and a half to two years works, right? It's six months to learn the job, six months to contribute, and six months to really get, get great and 
and the company gets a real return, a bang for the buck, because you're really good at it. And that's fair, right? In, in, that, in those terms. Um, that's yeah. why I think a year and a half to two years is really the right number. If you found a great fit and, you've, and, you, and you like what you do and you want to do this, then spend the time to learn it. Because if you do that, and you have some real skills, you'll, like I, like I told this young lady, you will earn some real money when you leave. But if all you do is stay eight months, you're just going to get a 10% raise. So in some ways I'd suggest, right, you're hamstringing yourself from your future by not really learning your craft. I love that. In terms of what's going on for you right now, Rob, at your company, mm -hmm. what's, what's one challenge you're currently facing? Uh, hiring, <laughs> uh, right? I mean, let, let's just, let's, yes. you know, I hire now. I, I think, right. I've gotten really good at hiring. We run a, you know, I tend to think of myself as a really great boss. Um, people want to work for us, but look, the, the truth is that um, our labor costs have gone up um, with developers 30%. It's not, you know, I, I like the inflation is 7.9%. Every business owner I've talked to is like, no. <laughs> but, but that said, right, our, our developers are up 30%. And just across the board, right, it's, it's more expensive um, to find uh, talent. There's great, great demand for it. And, and that's fine, right? But passing on you know, even 15% to your client is really, really difficult. So hiring is a major, major problem. Um, but the way that we're handling it, right, we're not going to go increase prices 15%. We're looking for 10. Um, and, uh, and then getting new clients, right, and having a rate that's appropriate for today. And, you know, finding new clients is, is challenging. In my business, the the cycle, right? The, the, the sales cycle can be six months, nine months on average. Now, sometimes things move faster. Interestingly, because of the environment where everyone is waking up because of COVID to e-commerce, right? I think that that has cut in some cases down to the three-month mark. But in large-scale, six-figure B2B business, that's blazing fast. <laughs> three yeah, three months is. is pretty darn fast. It's it's typically six to nine to twelve months of effort, and and therefore, right, that's a that's a big expense for the company um, to to try and and do. So the second one, the second one, which uh, I I know we want to get to, is you know I had to learn how to market and sell in COVID which is very different than now, right? Everyone has Zoom fatigue. Everyone, no one wants to, you know, we had four hour webinar of, um, you know, we had a NFL football player. We had CIOs. We had, I mean, we, we really pulled out the stops to try and, uh, and we did it on a shoestring, which was amazing, um, to, to try and attract people. That isn't going to work anymore. Right. So uh, we've switched back to an account based management and account based marketing strategy um, in which we 
you know, in, in this business, keeping customers, keeping your customers is a top priority, right? And, and we're very successful in having done that and growing those accounts, right? So just as a quick account-based management story, right? Um, uh, my first entrepreneurial effort was joining um, a one-man ad shop. Right. And so my first effort coming in as a business partner to grow this right is we doubled the amount of money we were doing with every account. So um, don't forget your your own customers to look for how can you serve them better, but then acquiring customers. Right. Understanding what your value proposition is and what are they looking for and how do they want to be sold to has completely changed. Right now we're out of, we're kind of in a post COVID um, tentatively trying to get back into personal uh, sales um, again, right? The, the, the advantage I have is look, the decision makers in these companies are, are my peers, right? They're generally 50 years old. Um, and therefore, right, we believe heavily in actually going out and trying to visit people. Um, we, we really make an effort to, to do that because it's still about personal one-to-one, -one, you know, do I want to do business with you in addition to, right? So the table stakes are, can you solve my problem? Can you, can you provide the right kinds of uh, solutions? Um, but then it comes down to, do I trust you? right? Mm -hmm. Are you giving me advice I can trust? And we're privileged in many cases to be, well, we're trying to sell a solution. We actually, one of our strategies is to come in as a consultant and help them evaluate all our competition. <laughs> we've been successful at that in several different times. And, and it's because we've developed trust in giving honest assessments and opinions, right? trying to do the best thing for our client. And with that reputation and that kind of approach, uh, you develop trust. So um, I think that's really important, right? There's that, that book, um, Business at the Speed of Trust. Um, I, I very much believe that because sales is a one-to-one -one game um, in business to business, right? So one of the things we do is, you know, we identify, we know exactly who our niche is. It's kind of strange for a Houston, Texas company, but our customers are located in the Midwest. They are distributors and manufacturers, kind of in old line tech. They, they produce widgets, actuators, pumps, pipes. <laughs> um, they distribute uh, sporting goods. Uh, they, they uh, we, you know, just one is a, an agricultural distributor. I mean, these are not fancy businesses. They tend to be family, uh, second generation, maybe founder, but typically second generation family business, right? Running a half a billion dollar business. And it's a, and, and in some cases, these folks are in their forties, right? Because they're more tech savvy. Um, Whereas the more corporate ones that we deal with, um, you know, they tend to have older decision makers. 
So we know our customer. We know who they are. We know where they are. And we believe we have a solution they want, which leads us to account-based marketing. Yeah, yeah, let's sit here for a second because I feel sure. like you're... How did you find your audience? Did, did you build something and then try and go figure out who would buy this thing and then hope that they would come? Or did you know that you were building this thing specifically for these types of people? Who, what came first in terms of like the chicken and the egg? Oh, no, no, no. You ascribe way too much process to our intention, right? So when, when my partner and I started this company, um, you know, I'm a big believer in have a few clients first. Uh, we kind of had some leads and some things. It was no strategy whatsoever, right? It was who will pay us to get this started. And it was essentially a, a, you know, a couple of sales and marketing guys. We want a deal. And they were like, oh, no, now we actually have to deliver it. So we went and hired employee number one, who was um, just, and he's our lead architect and, and a VP in the company. Um you know, <laughs> help us actually do this, right? Convince someone we can do it. So it was accidental, right? And then one followed another and we just began to go, you know what, we have real success in this niche. And, um, you know, it, it's a terrible thing to say, but every client wants to know who have you done that is like me? Can you solve my problem? So you, in some ways you can get stuck in a niche, um, we've actually developed a new product offering that is much, much wider, right? To give us a little bit of breadth in the in the uh, in the market. Um, but on the other hand, we know that this demand isn't going away. This sector of the economy is the most laggard in e-commerce adoption. Therefore, it has really great big opportunities. I think that's so helpful because I feel like sometimes we set out thinking we know our audience and who wants to buy this thing and it ends up being somebody completely different that we're sort of ignoring. And so I love how you really paid attention. To, I mean, you know your audience and not just because um, I just, I feel like you know them down to the individuals of who you're talking to and what's important to them. Like as you're talking about them, that's what's coming through to me. Thank you. And, and yes, we do, right? Case studies are really important, right? Being able to prove out, say, this is what we did for this company. It's attractive to certain kinds of companies. When, we, uh, when I look for opportunities to speak or to meet, right, at particular places where, once again, that's opening up again, I'm looking for the same kind of people, right? Who goes there? What are they trying to learn? Um, you know, I, I have developed um, some unique perspectives <laughs> on, on trade show marketing, for example, right? For my, my first software company, we did a lot of trade shows, right? But I just kind of came to the decision that if you're a small company, um, I hate tchotchkes. <laughs> I don't give pen giveaways. I don't give any of that. If you want to talk to me, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a conversation. I'll give you a nice thank you gift, right? I'd rather go that way. But, you know, you've got so many people that are low level, not decision makers. They go around and collect pens and, and, and stress balls. And so uh, 
uh, you know, I'm much more focused on um, on trying to, you know, focus on the on the people I want to talk to, not a general approach. Which brings us, you're right, which brings us right into account-based marketing because account-based right. marketing starts with accounts you want to work with opposed to sort of marketing to the broad mm -hmm. public and then having the, you know, sort of weave through the people who are then coming to find you. So how do you identify, you clearly know who your audience is, but then how do you identify the accounts you want to work with? Sure. Well, the good news is, right, um, we live in a very researchable world. So, you know, just about everything is online. So we use um, tools like, you know, LinkedIn, right? So LinkedIn Sales Navigator, I go put in, you know, I'm looking for, privately held companies, VP or above connections um, in these types of industries, this size of revenue, right? And we'll grab, you know, 200 of those, right? And we will begin by offering content, right? Not just the, hey, I want to connect to you, but, you know, we're finding, you know, we're always a big believer and you need to give value first, to get value back, right? Give to get is, is what my business partner has always called it. And we've run our, our company that way. So we try to offer some superior content, um, short webinar, um, you know, some particular study or, you know, some of those kinds of things, offer them to, I really like, uh, we've expanded our newsletter, which is packed with facts. It's not just, hey, I, you know, promoted someone. It has nothing to do with that. It's packed with, here's some facts and some interesting things. And this is something we're doing. Um, you should be looking for, right? We've really expanded that on, on LinkedIn. I started getting invited to some of these things. So we use those tools. Uh, we follow up, right, if we can't find their email and everything that uh, we'll use Zoom info and, you know, we'll, we'll start finding everything out about them. Um, and, it's you know, really everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. A question for you about LinkedIn, because I'm a big LinkedIn person. And that's how we got mm -hmm. connected. So big, sure. big fan of LinkedIn. But I've been asking, I've been getting the question um, from other people, and I'm curious about your your take on this. Do you feel like because you're using link, I mean, are you using any other channels? Because if you're only using LinkedIn, do you feel like you're you're missing out on on your audience in some capacity for those who might not have LinkedIn or are using it? Well, again, I know my audience, right? So, forty five to 55-year-old men, primarily in manufacturing, don't tweet. <laughs> I don't tweet. Um, I'm interested in some of the things that maybe Elon Musk tweets, but I, it hasn't encouraged me to get on there and, and see it, right? We don't watch a lot of YouTube. Um, we don't make decisions by Facebook, right? So you need to understand your audience. What and, and by the way, the, the 60, 65-year-old founders certainly don't. They prefer a phone call. Believe it or not, they, they'd rather get a phone call. So our primary method of reaching that group of people in laggard tech, you know, 
particular industry. They're Ohio people. They like connection, right? They're not in California. They're not in New York City. Heck, they're not even in Chicago. They tend to be rural. Most of our clients are are in the middle of nowhere, manufacturing plants in, you know, in some rural place. So they tend to be relational. So we will try um, one-to-one approach. Um, now that starts broad, right? We'll identify 200. We'll try to have a relevant discussion. We'll invite them to that. We'll follow up with series of content, just like everyone else, yeah. right? But then um, we look for permission, we connect, after giving content, we direct one-to-one, hopefully they'll start following my posts and things. Um, We work a lot, really hard on that. Um, And then we email, right? So contrary to popular belief, it's not spam. Although if people market, it is not, there is no canned spam act for business emails. There is for your Gmail. But if I'm sending to, to, you know, and to your business email, um, there is no spam act. So I am a huge believer in email, trying to get people to sign up for my newsletters, one-to-one email, right? Um, I will send emails and we'll, we'll follow up with these people. And again, try to offer value and invite them to do various things. We don't get over, you know, we don't do a ton of it. We, ha- we have to wait until they're ready to buy. So finding out ready to buy, right, is where um, conferences and trade shows do come in in this business, right? That's where people are researching. But we do a heavy job of trying to, you know, we, we use, you know, Sharp Spring. Um, heck, I used to be a, a, a reseller of it. Um, I can know who came to my website. I can track down the IP. I know what company. And that typically means that they are looking for answers and that puts them into my funnel right and after we've sent some content then it's personal emails it's personal linkedin and in and and depending on the industry like ag we'll call them and we'll use the the you know and we'll use the the adage of you know we we'd love to just stop by and buy you a cup of coffee right because we're in the area now, the benefit is we actually are in the area <laughs> because everyone is everyone we're going to see is in a s- relatively small geographic area. Um, I'd love that to be I'd love to have more than one client in Texas. But <laughs> but on the other hand. Right. And and by the way, that client fits the exact profile. Right. Plumbing distribution. <laughs> it's, right, you know, right. it's, pipes and toilets it's not you know exciting stuff but online is revolutioning everything revolutioning revolution forget it anyways revolutionizing everything see i told you you forget things um but uh, but um it uh it, it we we really aim at that demographic and we have great stories to tell which is important you keep saying the value of the content that you're bringing. Um, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned case studies, which yes. Um, you mentioned webinars. What are you mm-hmm. talking about in in these outside of outside of case studies, but in webinars and other content you're sort of bringing to the table? What what do you find well, that people are resonating with? Yeah, interestingly, so when I'm doing video or a 
or a blog, right? Um, I actually talk about things that aren't necessarily directly e-commerce, right? So uh, in order to get a um, operations director um, or something interesting to an e-commerce or COO, CEO, I try to talk about the problems that they face. And it's not always necessarily e-commerce. I'll talk a lot about supply chain. Unfortunately, I was involved in international supply chain for Xerox, right? So I have a good understanding of what the triggers are. And I will talk about how e-commerce provides um, better visit visibility for your inventory management. People are like, what? How? Why? Right. It's not what other people are talking about. I try to think about, you know, I can sit here and and say something incredibly boring, like how headless e-commerce is going to revolutionize the, the future. A, everyone else is talking about it. B, I wouldn't read it. <laughs> and I'm in the industry. And, and C, when you're searching for a solution, it's irrelevant. Right. They're not down the rabbit hole of do I, you know, do I need a headless e-commerce solution? Customers don't think that way. Customers think about I have inventory problems. I can't get freaking stuff from China. <laughs> I, I mean, that affected one of our customers to where they basically, you know, they were they were dead in COVID. Right. I mean, they they were struggling because they couldn't get supply. So how do you change the inventory? How do you change warehousing? How does e-commerce actually affect that? What happens to your salespeople when you bring on e-commerce, right? There's some resistance, right? A lot of our clients are like, well, if we implement this big e-commerce, what, what are our salespeople going to do? Um, you know, are, are, and, and I'll explain, hey, a little bit of channel conflict is good, Um it actually makes your selling a little easier, right? Free up your salespeople to go get bigger deals rather than just order taking. And deep down, let me tell you, deep down, every CEO and business owner believes that their salespeople are terrible. <laughs> they really do. They, they maybe have one guy, they're like, okay, but Deep down, they're like, they could be doing more. They could be working harder. Now, that may or may not, but I'm going to tell you that it's one of those deeply held beliefs, and I'm not above feeding into it. So, you know, there, there's, there's, there, you know, uh, Ogilvy said, love me or hate me, but don't be indifferent about me, right? Um, a famous advertising adage was well, the same in sales, right? You either exploit excitement and revenue and positive growth, or you talk about, look, you're wasting money. These people aren't producing for you. And, and, and it's about resonating with your customers. Um, first, their, you know, their, their need. And then secondly, some of their deeply held beliefs, honestly, right? So I was working um, a little consulting with an ethnic hair care uh, company, really interesting company, right? And there were just a lot of deeply held beliefs about how they sell into, you know, the CVSs of the world, or, you know, what are they going to do with an online marketplace? What, 
what, you know, is a D to C strategy right for them? Um, so every business owner, you know, even, you know, second, third generation, as they've tried to buck how it was started, there's a nervousness about moving to something new. And you have to address that as well. This is, yes, to, all, to everything you're saying. I think a lot of times as marketers, we tend to um, write about the product and the content and the problems that the product will solve. But yeah. not necessarily what I want to be really thoughtful about here, intentional about, because I think you are, Rob, is that it's about the problems that your individuals are facing in their job right. and day to day. So right. if, regardless of what your product can or can't do in building mm -hmm. that trust that you were talking about, thinking about what the... What, what, What's keeping them up at night? And do you right. have knowledge to help them navigate that? And that's yes, right. Maybe it'll impact your product and like what your product can do, but maybe it won't. And like that's okay too. Um, mm -hmm. I love that. So, especially when you're talking about building trust and you're doing it on a one to one manner, mm -hmm. and knowing, yeah. I'm sorry, I got so excited. No, 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 I think I, you're, you're exactly right. You know, I used to say, why, 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 why? Why is it important to the customer? I, I know it's important to us, but why is it important to the customer? Now, different levels of a customer have different concerns, right? So if I'm talking to a product manager or an e-commerce uh, um, uh, manager, right? Their, their concerns are not about salespeople. Their concerns are, you know, I have a million SKUs. I have assemblies, parts. I've got to handle a huge number of um, complex uh, parts. And it's unmanageable, right? And I spend days doing updates or I spend, um, you know, just trying to get the new content up is an extraordinary task that my leadership does not understand, right? We'll speak to them, right? That says, um, how do you cut 90% of time out of building your product catalog? How do you, uh, you know, how do you handle um, a million SKUs and still do it fast on your e-commerce platform, right? Those, those are technical questions, but it, it goes to, how do they accomplish their job? And, you, and we have to speak to both, right? So um, our newsletter will address a, lot, a number of those things. And you have to understand who in your company addresses each thing, right? So um, it, it works to have, um, you know, the I'm a business owner, right? So business owner to business owner, business owner to VP. Um, and then, you know, we'll have um, uh, some of our, our, our staff actually, you know, write some of and, and byline some of the more technical pieces, right? And, and we're not afraid to share other people's good content, right? It, it, it helps us because content, everyone knows content is hard. It's a lot of work. Yeah, and it and it, it is, and it, so much emphasis on it, especially these days, and the importance of it. I mean, our newsletter isn't about any of our content. I mean, we'll drip it in if the week if something comes up that we think is powerful, but it's really about what's happening, what literally happened last week, 
and mm. what's major parts of the news uh, of what people are talking about. I mean, sure. with a lot of our clients being cybersecurity, we're we're putting a lot of news in there that has nothing to do with marketing, but about cybersecurity and the Ukraine war and how that's impacting the industry, right? So yeah. I, I agree about uh, not only up-leveling other people's content that's powerful, but also being really relevant to getting people the news and the information they need to, as fast as possible. In that regard. Agreed. And I think that, you know, you know, speaking uh, to those things is, is really important, right? We had two of our customers get hacked by, you know, Russian hackers and get held hostage. Unfortunately, they do not understand how corn-fed Indiana uh, business people react to being held hostage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> trust me, they will spend more to fix the problem than they will to send you money. And, and they did. And it was painful, right? I'm not going to it was very painful, but there is no way they were going to pay a ransom. It's not going to happen. Um, so that I think the hackers need to understand their market better. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the Ukraine war has certainly affected us, right? I have developers in Ukraine and, uh, uh, you know, the IT infrastructure. I don't think people understand how many Ukrainian developers in Kharkiv um, support the United States, um, uh, you know, in infrastructure. We are a global economy. Um, and it's more than Russian oil. It's more than, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I'm, uh, you know, I've been to every one of those countries personally, right? I like it as my personal goal uh, to visit everyone who works for us around the world. And I'm working on it hard, trust me. But, um, you know, getting getting people to Poland, getting people set up with uh, temporary, you know, places to stay, or in some cases, right, for our Ukrainian, how do we just keep you safe? How do we help your family? Now, those are the areas, right, I think that engender, and we do it because it's the right thing. Right. People talk about businesses as family. Um, I think that's a little far. Right. I, I like to say in my business, your family first. Um, I've always had I mean, for the last decade, I've had people working from home and we all work to take care of our families, not the other way around. And so if someone has a family need, I've always told them, go. Right. You need to take care of your family. But we are a tight-knit team, and we care about each other. So helping people is the right thing to do, and it absorbed a lot of my time. But, you know, and, and I'm not going to talk about, you know, we've done things that people will never forget. And that's one way we keep people three years. Yes, absolutely. And it comes full circle. It um, does. Rob, I so enjoyed this conversation and it's so, how oh, you said so many very important things that I, I do think in a post COVID world, we have to figure out how to connect beyond the masses and make it really personal and find ways to, people want relationships now. They want to feel connection oh, yeah. and they want to feel belonging. And so as the facilitators, as marketers and facilitators of that, we need to yeah. break those bridges. And I just love what you're doing. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I told you I enjoy talking about anything. So 
um, but I, I hope we've provided value, right? Again, my goal in these things is just, um, you know, to to give some perspective that have worked for me. And I, I hope uh, your listeners really enjoy it. So thank you. Before we close out, I do have my people first questions, my, my three questions. Sure. Um, Cause you're more than your job and what you do. And it's nice to pull back the curtain. So, uh, okay. In the last two years, Rob, what's one hobby you've picked up given the pandemic and our world <laughs> going upside down and topsy turvy? Well, it, it's probably a hobby you, you wouldn't expect, but I travel heavily. So um, I look for places I can go internationally. So my daughter's in college uh, and, uh, you know, while she was home, my attitude was uh, if I ever hit silver status with the airline, you know, that's traveling too much. Um, now, unless I'm the highest status every year, I'm not traveling enough. As I said, it's my goal to visit everyone in the company. So I did visit, um, uh, I've, I've visited a number of places. So I'll give you an example, right? As soon as Croatia dropped, opened up and dropped its, uh, its heavy COVID requirements, I was there. <laughs> the first day that they, that they uh, in May, the, the, like the first start of the tourist season, it's the weirdest thing, but I got off the plane and they, were, they had TV cameras and gave us flowers and gifts for coming. And, uh, and, and it's a fabulous country and it was empty. So, so it's been fabulous traveling heavily during COVID because there's no one there and you can actually spend time seeing the things you want to see. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And then the second thing is, right, looking for opportunities to, to get together, um, you know, and, and just everyone is craving that personal connection. Even, even you know, um, uh, just just the opportunity to talk. It's, it's a big deal. It's, it is. All right. Second question for you, Rob. Um, and you've already answered, well, no, maybe I'll ask my third one anyway and see if your answer changes. Second question for you is when you are with your team um, mm -hmm. or, or maybe with your business partner and you're shooting some movies in the office and, uh, and riffing, what's, what's what song you want playing overhead to set the vibe of being together? <laughs> All right, um, I have to figure out how to couch this. So, and, and believe it or not, it is a little before my time, but there was this incredible TV show with Shatner and, um, and George Foreman, uh, the boxer, right? And they travel all over the world. And anyways, it turns out George Foreman, believe it or not, is a massive ABBA fan. And he would warm up before every fight to Dancing Queen. So uh, believe it or not, I am a huge ABBA fan. I will be going to London for the ABBA experience uh, this summer. And, uh, you know, so uh, believe it or not, it's uh, anything energetic by, by ABBA, right? So, um, you know, Mamma Mia, but you name it, I sing it. And my my business partner does too. Um, so we're we're weird. I admit it, 
but I still love hey. it. it oh, no, matter. I love it. I love it. And we're going to add it to our Spotify playlist so everybody can get down. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, I have dan- I'm gonna dancing, be dancing queen. queen Feel now. the have- beat of the tambourine. I am. We're going to have it be playing now all day. It's going to be great. Um, all right. Last question for you, Rob, which you kind of sure. already answered, but I'm curious uh, if it'll change with the context. You know, now that the world is opening up and you are able to travel anywhere, uh, mm-hmm. you've, got, you've gone to Croatia. Where else do you want to go? What's next on your list? Oh, well, next week <laughs> I'm flying into Munich, um, visiting, uh, you know, I always, as an entrepreneur, you always combine business and pleasure. So uh, flying into Munich, visiting one of our partner companies, then I'll be driving down to Neuschweinstein to see the castle that Disney based their castle on. I've never been to there. I'll go into Austria. Salzburg is one of my favorite cities. So Europe is finally getting open. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'll be on my way to Santorini with my girlfriend. <laughs> so Fancy. I'll be in Greece. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right. But the list includes, right. I haven't been into Egypt. I haven't been, uh, there's just some people like Israel is totally closed. I want to go to Rome. Um, I'm heavily focused on Europe since she lives there. Um, But uh, you know, I go to Mexico awesome uh, all the time living in Texas. It's a two hour plane ride. You get awesome food and you know, they're pretty COVID open, very COVID open. You (laughs) So those things kept me sane and I go as often as possible. I went to Peru, which was heavily COVID closed. I, it's an interesting story, but I went to Peru, you know, did Machu Picchu. So uh, lots of lots of places. And like I said, going places that are empty, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I bet. I bet. What stories you have. Oh, oh Yes. So good to meet you, Rob. Thank you for hanging out with me and, uh, and yeah. for sharing for sharing your stories and your journey. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And obviously it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Carrie. That was my conversation with Rob Newman. It takes a turn at the end there, and I just didn't see it coming, but ah, so powerful and meaningful, especially now as we all look around to find ways to help. Thank you, Rob, for sharing your story. In this, If you'd like to learn more about Rob Newman and, and uh, CSS Commerce, be sure to find Rob on LinkedIn and uh, connect and experience the personalization for yourself. In this next episode, I chat with Jada Holst. Jada, ah, I love this story because it's Jada's, because it's the farm girl to big city, because the marketing industry is at a crossroads right now where we need to figure out how to bring new talent in. And this talent will be found in the most unexpected of places, like in Jada's story. So go freshen up your tea while autoplay takes you there to my conversation with Jada. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of season 11. This episode was brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency that helps cybersecurity and data companies get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG. Music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.